I'm reading from the first chapter of the Gospel according to St. John, beginning at the sixth verse. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. In our study of the Gospel of John, we've seen that one of the great themes is light and darkness. The world is presented to us as lost in the darkness of sin and ignorance. But the eternal Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, is light. And this light, the light which He has within Himself, has come into this sin-darkened world. We have another description of this light coming into the world in John 1.9, where our Lord is described as the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. This ninth verse has been the focus of much controversy down through the centuries. If we look at the King James Version of the Bible, the translation makes it seem that this true light, our Lord Jesus Christ, lights every man who comes into the world. Literally, this verse would then read, that was the true light that gives light to every man who was coming into the world meaning that every person receives this light from Christ at the moment of birth. Some have taken the position that this verse teaches that the light of Jesus Christ shines on every person who is ever born, that somehow, in some way, Jesus reveals himself to every person who has ever lived. Some have said that this verse teaches that every person is born with what is called an inner light, that in some sense the light of Christ resides in each and every person who is born. But of course we know that this cannot be the case. The scripture does not teach that every person has an inner light, the light of Christ residing within them. The entirety of scripture teaches exactly the opposite. As we have seen, the scriptures, especially the Gospel of John itself, teaches that a deep darkness resides within each person, with the result that every person is spiritually blind until God causes the light of Jesus Christ to shine in his heart. Furthermore, it is not true that each person has the light of Christ within them and that somehow they just need to be true to the light that they have. Again, nothing could be further from the truth. If it were true, then it would not have been necessary for the members of the early church to go into every corner of the world to preach the gospel. God would have just said, let those people around the world alone. They have the light within themselves. Just let them be true to the light that they have. Rather, God told his church that they must go into all the world because the world is in darkness. People outside of Christ have no light within them. It is up to the church to bring the light of the gospel to them so that they might be delivered from the kingdom of darkness. Part of the problem with understanding this ninth verse is trying to determine the word order in the verse. The difficulty is with the phrase that cometh into the world. Does that phrase belong with the phrase every man or does it belong with the true light? If it refers to every man, then we have a translation something like the King James Version. That was the true light which lights every man who is coming into the world. If the phrase that cometh into the world refers to the true light, then we would have a translation like that in the New International Version. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world.
In other words, this verse does not talk about every person who is coming into the world. Rather, it is referring to the light that is coming into the world. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. So this verse is speaking of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the light, into this world. John continues that thought in the next two verses. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. One of the most important themes in this Gospel of John is that Christ, the light, came into the world. And that is described for us here in verse 9. And this view that this phrase is talking about people coming into the world is not supported by the rest of the Gospel of John. In John's Gospel, normally people do not come into the world as though their souls had some pre-existence before conception. Rather, the emphasis in John's Gospel is that Jesus came into the world. John's important truth is that when Jesus came into the world, light came into the world. For example, in John 3.19 we read, And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world. And there is no question that there the light is our Lord Jesus Christ. Then in John 12.46, Jesus said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Therefore, since John normally speaks of Jesus as the one who comes into the world, and since Jesus said that he came as a light, it would seem strange if this coming referred to here in verse 9 is to every man rather than our Lord Jesus Christ. It is Christ who is described here as coming into the world rather than every man coming into the world. In our study of this gospel, we have seen that our Lord Jesus Christ is eternal light. And this eternal light was present at the moment of creation. God said, let there be light, and there was light. A light that emanated from the word of God, the second person of the one who had life and light in himself. So he was the eternal light. His eternal light shines forth at creation. But here in verse 9, we have the light coming into the world that he created. In other words, this verse is one way of describing the incarnation of our Lord Jesus. Our Lord is God incarnate. He is the Word incarnate. The Word became flesh, John will tell us later. And here we have the light, the true light becoming incarnate. In Jesus Christ, the world saw the light of the glory of God streaming from him. As John says in verse 14 of this first chapter, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, this light that comes into the world is called the true light. The word true is one of the most important words in the Gospel of John, especially when used in reference to our Lord. The word true, when it is used in John, means real or genuine. Jesus, for example, is not just the bread from heaven. He is the true bread from heaven. In John 15, he is the true vine. So Jesus is the true light, the true bread, the true vine. So when we are told here that Jesus is the true light, we are told that he is the only one who can convey the knowledge of God to us, the only one who can show us infallible, inerrant, certain truth. Other philosophers and religious leaders of the past, through the light of nature and reason, were able to discover some truths here and there. 
for their teachings and insights were always mingled with error. As William Barclay writes, other lights were flickers of the truth. Some were faint glimpses of reality. Some were will-o'-the-wisps, which men followed and which led men out into the dark and left them there. Only Jesus is the true light who can genuinely reveal God and his truth to us. A.W. Pink, summarizing Bishop J.C. Ryle's points on Christ being the true light, writes, First, Christ is the true light as the undeceiving light. Satan himself, we read, is transformed into an angel of light, but he appears as such only to deceive. But Christ is the true light in contrast from all the false lights which are in the world. Second, as the true light, Christ is the real light. The real light in contrast from the dim and shaded light which was conveyed through the types and shadows of the Old Testament ritual. Third, as the true light, Christ is the underived light. There are lesser lights which are borrowed and reflected as the moon from the sun, but Christ's light is his own essential and underived glory. Fourth, as the true light, Christ is the supereminent light, in contrast from all that is ordinary and common. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another of the stars, but all other lights pale before him who is the light. So Christ is the true light in contrast to false deceptive lights and he is light itself from whence all other light comes. Now though the word true means real or genuine, now though the word true means real or genuine, we can see that what is being taught to us in this gospel is that true means ultimate in the sense that Jesus is the last, the final, the last word, so to speak. Let's take, for example, the description of Jesus as the true bread. Now, the manna in the wilderness was real, genuine bread, but Jesus is the ultimate bread. He is the fulfillment of what that bread in the wilderness signified. He is the ultimate bread, the bread that truly gives life, spiritual life to the world. In like manner, Israel was God's vine in the sense that Israel was a real or genuine vine, but something was lacking. Israel was not the perfect vine, the vine that truly gave life to the branches. Jesus is the true vine, the one who gives true spiritual life and vitality to all those who are joined to him. And the same thing is true of the light. Now all of God's word is light. Like the psalmist, we know that the word of God is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. There is light, there is wisdom, and there is instruction in the word of God. The scriptures are real and genuine, infallible, inerrant. But Jesus is himself the word of God. He is God's ultimate expression of himself as word and as light. Though God has revealed himself in creation, in nature, in man, in the scriptures, Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. He is the ultimate light, the true light that has come into the world. So now that we know that this true light has come into the world, just as at sunrise the light begins to shed its beams over the earth, this light, the true light, has come into the world once again, 
pointing out that the world is in darkness. Now I remind you that very often when John uses the word world, he is talking about that system of life and thought that is opposed to God. It is this world that hates God, hates Christ, and hates his people. But the love and mercy of God are revealed in this way, that this light, this ultimate light, has come into a world that despises him. And as we shall see next time, the world does not recognize him, though he created it. And his own people, whom he has chosen, will not receive him. This truth amazes us about the love of God. He does not love us because we are lovable. He does not love us because we are so good, kind, and loving. He does not love us because we are worthy of his love. The world is foul and corrupted by sin, but he comes into the world to save for himself a people out of this world. As D.A. Carson writes, when John tells us that God loves the world, far from being an endorsement of the world, it is a testimony to the character of God. God's love is to be admired, not because the world is so big, but because the world is so bad. If Jesus is the Savior of the world, that says a great deal about Jesus, but nothing positive about the world. In fact, it tells us the world is in need of a Savior. We hear this kind of theology going around now that the love of God shows us how special we are and how worthy of love we are. Actually, the gospel teaches us exactly the opposite. The gospel teaches us that we are unworthy of the love of God, but God loves us in spite of our unworthiness. God's grace is God's unmerited love and favor shown to those who are totally undeserving. So then, the light, the true light, this ultimate light has come into this world darkened by sin, a world that hates and rejects the light. Now, if that is the case, then what does John mean when he says that this light lights every man? Well, there are many theories about what this means. There are some who take this to mean God's general revelation of his truth. In other words, this view is that all people have some knowledge of God. Every person has this light of the knowledge of God, but because of sin, they suppress it. Some think that this verse is saying the same thing that Paul says in Romans 1, 20 and 21. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. So there are some who say that this light, the knowledge that there is a God of power and wisdom who created the world, is present in every person. Some who believe that all people will be saved point to this verse as proof because it says that every person who has been born has been illuminated by Christ and so ultimately all will be saved by him. There have been some, like the Quakers, who think that this verse teaches that an inner light the light of Christ has been placed into every heart and that they will be saved if they only use this light. Some have said that this passage is saying that every covenant child is illuminated at the time of baptism. Some have theorized that this verse teaches that every man is referring to those who by faith 
receive Jesus Christ and thus receive his light. And some say that it refers to those who have heard the gospel, whether they have received it or not. In other words, every person who has heard the preaching of the gospel has seen the light in some sense. They have heard the truth, they know the truth, but many of those who know the truth reject it. Some have said that the words every man do not mean every single person, but every person without distinction. In other words, the verse is not saying that this true light illuminates every single person, but all kinds of people, whether they be Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, as Paul would have put it. And some say that this light simply refers to the blessings that have come into the world because of the coming of Christ. That is, the whole world, whether people have actually believed in Christ or not, have been blessed in some way by the coming of Christ into the world. And then there's the view that John is saying that Jesus potentially illuminates every person in the world. His light is sufficient to save everyone if people will only come to the light. Jesus is shining, but he only illuminates those who are willing to receive that light. So in this view, it is true that Jesus can possibly illuminate every person if those people have the opportunity and willingness to receive that illumination. All of these views that I've just summarized share the idea that some kind of inward illumination is spoken of here, that every person has received or will receive or potentially can receive some kind of inward illumination from Jesus Christ. But another option takes it to mean that inward illumination is not at all in view here. Rather, what is spoken of here is the light of the world has come into this world and he shines his light upon every person and his light makes visible who they are and what they are. The light divides people into two categories, those who receive the light and those who reject the light, those who love the light and those who hate the light. The meaning of this verb, light, means to shed light upon or to make visible. And that is what the coming of Christ into the world has done. The light has made visible what the world is. The light, our Lord Jesus Christ, has exposed the evil that is in the world. St. Paul explains this concept very well in Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 14, where he writes, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Notice how Paul says that whatsoever doth make manifest is light. And Jesus is that light. He made manifest. He made this world and what it really is visible and he makes every person visible 
He exposes them as whether they love light or they love darkness. As John will later say in this gospel, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. And now we can see how Jesus lights every person who comes into the world. He lights them in the sense that he exposes them. Those who love evil hate the light and refuse to come to the light. But the one who does truth comes to the light to have his work revealed and made manifest that it has been produced in him by the power of God. So Jesus lights every man, not in the sense that he spiritually illuminates every person, but in the sense that he exposes every person to reveal what they really are. The light of Christ is shining upon you now at this moment. What does his light reveal about you? Have you responded to this light? Have you responded to the light the way the world does? Have you rejected the light that is in Christ? Are you afraid to come to the light because it will reveal all your sin? Yes, it is a very difficult thing to take an honest look at ourselves, to look at ourselves in the light of Jesus. It is humiliating and casts all our pride into the dust. Nevertheless, the light of the world himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, stands before you and asks that you come to the light. Yes, you will see your sin, but you will also see the remedy for your sin. You will see that he loves you, that he died for you, then that he will give you life eternal. Listen to him now as he says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What light have you been following? Have you been following the light of your own wisdom? Have you been following the light that you see and hear in the media? The light that is a false light that says that true life and happiness is found in sin and the world? Have you been following the light provided by the philosophy of the world? The light provided by skeptical philosophers, atheists, and so-called intellectuals? Following those lights will only cause you to stumble eternally in the darkness. None of those lights are the true light. As a matter of fact, some of those so-called lights are in reality utter darkness. Come to Christ, the light of the world, the true light, and then you will have the light of the knowledge of God. Then you will have Christ as your constant companion to guide you through the darkness of this world. And then when the darkness of death begins to spread over your sight, suddenly you will find yourself in the new Jerusalem where there is no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God lightens it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Think of it, the life of light in this world and in the world to come. And the Christian can invite you with his own testimony, as put so well in the old hymn, No darkness have we who in Jesus abide. The light of the world is Jesus. We walk in the light when we follow our guide. The light of the world is Jesus. Come to the light, tis shining for thee. Sweetly the light 
has dawned upon me. Once I was blind, but now I can see. The light of the world is Jesus. Amen.